Dear founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I'm so excited for today's episode for so many reasons, as you will soon see. But before we get started, I wanted to take a minute to simply say thank you. Thank you for your continued support, for listening to Dear Founder, and for sharing the podcast with your friends. All of these things are so appreciated as I continue to look to support you in any way I possibly can. And I have one more thing I want to thank you for, as this community has given me one of the greatest gifts that I ever could have asked for. As many of you know, I launched my first big marketing program this week. And in doing so, something completely unexpected happened. A lot of you came to me asking me for ways to work with me one-on-one. You thought the program sounded great, but it was more than you needed or you wanted something a a little bit more customized. Your belief in me is so appreciated. And from that, I've created three different one-on-one options to work with me so that I can help you grow your personal brand or your company's community through content, social media, partnerships, collaborations, email marketing, and more. It's really easy. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes and fill out the form. You can grab 30 minutes with me for a free consult. I'd love the chance to meet you, to get to know your business, and to see if there's ultimately a chance for us to work together. So come on in. We're going to start today's episode. So today's episode was incredibly fun to record as I've known our guests since we were drinking double vodka tonics and dancing up a storm at Rick's All-American Cafe in Ann Arbor during our days at the University of Michigan. As you will soon hear her describe on today's episode, Sasha Adler has always had a knack for design. And while she always dreamt and thought she would eventually one day work for Vogue magazine, it was interior design that eventually pulled at her heartstrings. She landed a gig with Nate Berkus here in Chicago that would ultimately change her life. Fast forward to three years ago, Sasha went out on her own to form her own design firm. When she started with, she just had two employees. And now today, three years later, she boasts 19. Sasha Adler, Des- Sasha Adler Design is an interior design firm that specializes in historical restorations and ground up construction projects. Their approach to interior design is collaborative, and together with their clients, they enjoy building a narrative through the discerning selection of architectural details, natural materials, and bespoke designs. Sasha Adler Design creates a balanced dialogue of modern elements, antique pieces, and custom design furniture. Drawing upon an extensive list of global vendor resources, they're able to curate a a diverse collection for each client that's tailored to meet their timeline, objectives, and budget. Featured in Elle, Elle Decor, Wall Street Journal, Architectural Digest, and so many more, Sasha's client roster includes includes designing the Goop pop-up shop for Gwyneth Paltrow's brand in Austin, Texas, and many, many more accolades. 
Without further ado, please come on in and meet my friend, Sasha Adler. All right. So today on Dear Founder, we have Sasha Adler from Sasha Adler Designs. And before I bring her on and introduce you, you just heard me um, you just heard me gave a big introduction of Sasha and she has a lot of accolades and she's been mentioned in a lot of pieces of press, but I want to just take you back like 20 years for a minute. And, um, I've known Sasha for a long time. I met her at the university of Michigan and, you know, Sasha is the type of girl that you see her and she is like, always seems put together. And a lot of you are listening, not watching. She's gorgeous and stunning and, her style just it speaks a lot about her business as well. But I also want to say that Sasha is probably one of the most welcoming, inviting, curious, and kind people, which all show not only through herself, but through her business. And that's why I want to bring that up. So Sasha, welcome to Dear Found Her. It's so great to have you here. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was such a nice introduction. Of course, but I mean it like you know, we weren't like so tight in college and I like would see you from afar. And, you know, I was like this like little Midwestern girl from Detroit and my Mavi Molly. I know, but you were from the big city. You were from Chicago, you know, a little intimidating to like the Detroiters of the world, you know, but, but always, you have always just been so kind and so nice. And, and I think, and I just, I want to say that because I think, you know, a lot of times when you see people who have been in L and L decor and like, you know, you can, you can say like, oh my God, like they're a little intimidating and scary. You are the least scary person I know. You are one of the most welcoming people I know. And, um, always every time I see you. So I just, I think it's so important to say that and to share that. Thank you. And, um, I'm so proud of you. So really like you, you, your career is amazing. And, you know, like with all of our guests, I want to start by you telling us your story and how you started Sasha Adler Design. Um, great. So I guess it goes like pretty far back as a child. I was just obsessed with fashion and design and probably the only 10 year old who asked for new bedding for their birthday. And my mom was like, really, you want new bedding? I was like, I just feel like we should move the bed over here and change the bedding. And I loved clothes, like just always, you know, remembered things. I mean, Sasha, you are, you always are dressed so, like, I mean, I, you are the envy of like every female, like seriously, yeah. you always are so stunningly put together and you always have been even in college. Very nice. Thank you. Um, so through, I went to college and I thought I wanted to do something in fashion. That's, you know, that's what I love. That's where I want to be. I was also a writer. So I was an English major in college. And after college, I moved to New York city and I worked in the fashion industry. I started in fashion and beauty PR really wanted to get into the editorial side. You know, my dream was like, I want to work at Vogue. I, you know, that was like the end all be all. Um, and I ended up getting this fantastic job where I was the editor or the managing editor of this fashion magazine that was based in Paris. And so I, you know, I lived in New York and I would um, pull fashion from, you know, New York and I got to hire freelance writers and really like put together the magazine. It was a phenomenal job because I had so much control over the magazine and got to do like all different facets, like styling a photo shoot and, you know, figuring out the theme of the issue and all of these things. And then I would go to Paris a couple of times a year and work with the team there to like put the magazine together. So in terms of experience, it was phenomenal. And then my thought was, I will always, and I'll, you know, approach Vogue once I have all this experience under my belt and get a job there. As it turns out, um, my husband, my now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, sort of burned out on New York. He was in investment banking and 
worked from like three o'clock in the morning or, you know, we'd come home at three or three or four in the morning and go back to work at five or six in the morning. He's also from the Midwest. He's from Cleveland. And he was done with New York. He was like, I need to see green grass. I need to see parks. I need, this is not for me forever. And so he knew that I eventually wanted to move back to Chicago and see, he moved back to Chicago before me and sort of, he said, set up shop, like, you know, hung out with my family and found a home here and, you know, ended up starting in Chicago. I stayed in New York for a bit longer to get it out of my system, although I'm not really sure it was ever out of my system. (laughs) Then I came back to Chicago and I was working long distance for my job in New York, which in, in Paris. And I thought like, this isn't sustainable. I didn't, which is funny now, but I didn't love working from home. I found it really isolating. I wanted to be part of like a bigger community. And I was trying to figure out which my, what my next step would be. Um, and I got introduced to Nate Burkus, Um, and we went out to lunch and I said, you know, my background's in fashion, but I love interiors and I've styled photo shoots. And he, thank, thank goodness, was very um, open to the idea of me working for him and offered me an internship. And that's really where I fell in love. Um, and I went to him a couple of weeks later and said, I love this. It has all the elements of everything that I love. It, you know, it has that fashion element and that you're like, you know, pulling different textiles and different pieces together but it feels more permanent than fashion because it's your home. So it's not an outfit that you're wearing one day. It's, you know, something that you you live in day after day. So it's just really like, I didn't know how much I would love it, even though I knew I loved interiors. Um, And I worked for him for 14 years. And then I just needed like that next challenge. And I had, you know, clients that I'd worked with year after year who, we're looking for their next home. And um, I just got a lot of encouragement from different places saying like, why aren't you doing this on your own? And Nate was actually very supportive of the whole process. And I talked very openly to him about it. Um, and he had said at the time we were consciously uncoupling. <laughs> like, um, And I started my own business and it was really exciting. It was really scary. And it's been really fun. I still feel like, like right up, you know, when you have a baby, and then you have a toddler and, and then it's been like two or three years and you're like, I just had a baby. And then someone's like, oh, your, your child's three. That's how I feel. My business is three and a half year, years old. And I'm like, I just started a business. And then I'm like, do I have to stop saying that? Now my business is three and a half years old. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. 
It's still in the infancy stage, you know, I mean, it's not an infant, of course, but it's still in the early years of your business. And, you know, I think that brings me to my first question is, you know, how did you start that kind of uncoupling process? Because that can be really sticky. And so it's so nice that to hear like how amicable it was and that you had the support of Nate, but it still must've been hard. Totally. Um, Yeah. I just, I always feel like honesty and transparency are the way to go about it. And we had started the conversation earlier to see what it would be like, you know, how we could grow, you know, I sort of felt like um, I needed that next step, whether it was under his umbrella or whether it was on my own. Um, So we had talked about different options and ultimately it felt like the next best step for me and for my family was to go out on my own. And I was just, I, he had lived in in LA at the time and I flew to LA. Um, We had lunch in person and I said, I can't imagine like having this conversation over the phone. I I wanted to sit down across from you and have this conversation face to face. And I will stay with you to finish all the projects I'm currently working on. And I hope I have your support and I hope that we can collaborate down the road and I want to do everything the right way. So you tell me what, how this can work for you and we can figure out something together. And that's what we did. And then what was like the next step? Like, so did you, did you leave and take some time off? Did you take a break? Did you pause (laughs) while you were like getting your, your website and all of your stuff up and running? Or, I mean, like what, how, how did this work? Did you do it at the same time? You know I mean? That's, it's a big transition, especially when you're going from being somewhere for 14 years. I mean, that's a long time. Right. And then yes, the work is very similar, of course, but you are now doing it under your guise and your method. And so what happens? So it was, there was no break. There was no pause. That would have been lovely. I, I did everything for the clients I was working with under him to complete those projects. And we had, I, at the time I had a bunch of projects that were kind of wrapping up. So the timing for that was perfect. And then I had a couple projects that were just starting off that would be under my firm and I hit the ground running. I hired two people, um, we were working everywhere from my kitchen table, from Soho house, from, you know, a restaurant, you know, anywhere that we could figure it out. We were looking for office space. We were, you know, pulling samples. I had samples all over my house. You know, it was just, someone said to me, like, um, starting a business is like learning how to build a plane once you're already in the air flying or I don't know. If I said Without that a doubt. Yes. You, that's yes. what it felt like. It was like someone you're building was like, a plane while you're flying it. <laughs> yes. It was so much like, oh, do you have this kind of insurance? I was like, no, no, I'll get that insurance. Or do you, you know, I was setting up a bank account and setting up, you know, you're just like, it felt like it was so fun, but I was learning as I was going and things I didn't know I needed to do. I was, you know, rushing to get them done in time. So it was, so let's let's talk about those early that early time the early years when you are building the plane while you're flying it because you are essentially doing two jobs at that point you are doing the job that you were hired to do by your clients which obviously is incredibly important and you need to make sure that your reputation stays intact and you are still able to deliver on what it is that you are promising and they are hiring you to do but you are also building a firm at the same right. time so and you have hired people so I didn't know what that was going to be. I think I was very naive and that was a blessing that that was going to the business of building a business is was way more time consuming than I had ever envisioned. It was like, Oh, I know how to run a design project. So 
I, you know, I can start a project, I can build the, you know, the organization for the project and I know how to run a design project. I didn't know how to start a company. I didn't know everything. And my husband also started his own company a couple of years before me. Thank God. So he's been an amazing resource, totally different business. He is a real estate investment fund, but like just the basics of what I needed, um, you know, getting an EIN number and filing, you know, forming an LLC and all of those things were just, I didn't, I didn't know how to do any of it. Making sure so that was going to be, I was going to ask you, like, what was the most challenging part about building the business? And other than your husband, where else did you go to kind of figure it out? Because there were probably some things that your husband just, even, even as a business owner, he, like you said, is in a different kind of business that for your business, you needed to figure things out different. I asked everybody and anybody I knew for advice. Um, and some of it is really like stuck with me. Like I still think about things that people have told me, you know, as advice. Um, I just, the, the way I approached it was I want to gather as much information as I can. And then I always go by my gut instinct. So like some of it felt right to me and some of it felt like that's not my business. Like that's not how I'm going to run my business. So I just asked everyone I could for, you know, any information they could give me. Well, and I think it's important when you just said that some things just don't feel right and that's not how you're going to run your business. And that is, that's part of being a business owner and making the decisions. And now the business was yours and not someone else's. And so you have the ability to trust your gut and to say no on things. Right. And so, you know, I, and that's how you put your own imprint on the world. Right. Yeah. And on what you're doing. Right. So, so what is some of that advice that stuck with you? Great question. Um, the hi- the hiring piece and the managing of other people has been harder than I thought. You know, I would hire somebody and um, think that they cared about is they cared about everything as much as I did, and then it just it was just a little eye opening to be like, this is their job, and this is their job from nine to five, and they go home at the end of the day and. They don't think that they're going to be here forever. They're they're invested in it and they're trying to do a good job, but it's just not the same. Really make sure this is the best fit for your company. And if it's not working out, move on. And not a doubt. <laughs> right. And that took me a long time because I was like, oh, I'll give them another chance. Maybe I didn't teach them the right way. What can I do? And like I've had some bad bosses in the past. And so I probably over like try to do a little more. I'm like, Oh, you were, you were up late last night. Take the day off. Or, you know, I, everyone gets a massage day. I try to be like really generous and giving in that regard. And then when someone takes advantage, you're like, Oh, but like, I thought, I thought we had a different relationship. And so that's been just a struggle for me. I try to be the boss that I would want. And sometimes People aren't, I have amazing, I have an amazing team right now. And I can say like, I am so proud and love every single person on my team, but there were definitely some growing pains to get there and well, to and figure I, out what we needed and what was a good personality fit. And that's and, what I was going to say is like, you have to kind of try, right? Try it out a little bit and see what it is that you need. And so at the beginning, I was hiring for really design skills. And uh, my brother-in-law works in advertising and we were having this conversation about hiring. And he said, what's the number one thing you hire for? This was recently. 
And I said, honestly, it's not going to the best design school or having worked at the best design firm. It's personality. Because when you hire someone whose personality is not, I won't say bad personality, but is not a good fit with the rest of the company, it really like throws like a stick in the wheel and it, it, everybody feels it. And when the team like clicks and there's this good synergy between everyone, everybody, it creates a team and everyone is willing to help one another and people's ideas bounce off of one another. And so you can feel that like creative energy. Whereas if someone is negative or a downer, you know, focusing on the wrong things, it really kind of trickles down and puts a damper on everything. So let's talk about the importance of your team because you can't do your job without without your team. Cannot do my job without my team. And so what would you say would be kind of the most the most important thing when you're if you were to tell another founder who's hiring just like people told you, you know you just gave some really good advice, but what else would you say about structuring your team and kind of finding who fits in and and who fits and fills all the voids that maybe you can't perform on your own? So I, I really encourage everyone to rely on each other. Um, and we have team meetings twice a week, which are sometimes virtual based on what's happening in the world. I, I prefer them to be in person and like over lunch and to be something or over drinks or, you know, something fun. But you, you're not expected to know everything. You need to ask questions when you don't know the answer. And so maybe someone else has the answer in the office or someone else can chip in or someone's had a similar experience and that can lead to the right idea. So during our team meetings, I encourage people to bring up anything that they're struggling with so that someone else can offer some advice or help out or chip in or. How many people are on your team now? There are 19 people on my team right now. I mean, Sasha. (laughs) I mean, I was expecting you obviously to say more than the two that you hired and started your company with, but I mean, that is remarkable in one under three years and two during a global pandemic. And I know, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I don't know, and I guess I'm going to ask, but I'm guessing that business got real busy during the pandemic too. Which was so funny because like the beginning of, you know, March, 2020, it was like, should we close our office? Should we not close our office? And I was like, everyone's health is the most important thing. And I say to my team all the time, we're not saving lives. We're just not. And you really should love what you're doing. And it should be fun at the end of the day, because, you know, I guess the good that we're doing for the world is that we are, you know, helping other people feel good about their homes, but it's a luxury to be able to afford an interior designer. And, you know, it's a creative, fun, not needed job in the world. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I said, your health is the most important thing. You know, leave your computers at work. Things are probably going to quiet down. Nobody's going to be focused on design. We'll probably, and I actually had a client who terminated our relationship prior to COVID starting like early in March before everything shut down. And he said, you know, he had sent a, we'd take a retainer at the beginning of the project and we had worked on his project quite a bit. And I said to him, you know what? He, he said, we're not moving forward. It was a vacation home. And I said, I completely understand. Here's your entire retainer back. We didn't even deduct any time. And he said, that's like such a noble thing to do. If your business is still standing at the end of this, I'm going to refer you to other people. And I was like, thank you. I don't. And then when he said that to me, I was like, oh my gosh, is my, what's going to happen to my business? It like sent me into like a tailspin. I was like, what, 
what's going to happen? Maybe nobody cares about interior design. Like the markets are going to oh crash. And, and, you know, you just start to think. I know it. But meanwhile, you can't even get a couch anywhere now. <laughs> you can't get anything. So I think what happened is that people were home and they were really living in their homes, like in a way that none of us had ever intended. We were living in every inch of our homes. And mm-hmm. there were, I mean, how many children you have? There were multiple children homeschooling. There were multiple adults working. There were, you know, household chores that needed to be done. And your home really needed to be learned to be flexible. But also people were like, oh, it's time to redo this, or I want to move, or I uh, we need a vacation home. And so our business fortunately kind of blew up. I mean, in a, in a great way. And we, you know, couldn't keep up with the demand and we couldn't take clients, you know, someone would come and be like this amazing project. And I would want to do it so badly, but we just didn't have the capacity to take it on. So, so how was it that you determined throughout these last couple of years, who you needed to hire and what for? And I mean, you are one person, so you are not the only designer on your team. I am imagining so how do you make that determination? We are still trying to figure that out. <laughs> Just in a staffing meeting this morning. Um, you know, we're still trying to figure out how many people we need and who's on which project and how the teams work together. And we're flexible. Sometimes we think we've put together the right team, but we really need help from someone who has a skill set that's not from someone on the team. And so people are on specific projects and every client has point people that they, you know, work with or that are in their meetings, but the office as a whole is really behind every single project. I I asked that and I'm glad you answered the way you did, because I, I mean, there's just no way you would know. And I want, and I want people who are listening to understand that like, You can figure out as you go. You can make changes if they're not working for your clients. And it's important that you recognize those things. Yes. I mean, at the beginning of a project, sometimes I'm like, oh, I I get a sense of the client's personality or the client's needs. And I think that they would be a great fit with someone on my team's skill set or personality. Um, So we try to do the best that we can based on workload and all of these other things to put together a team, but sometimes it shifts. Well, no. And I think it's important too. like, you know, I mean, a lot of people, and especially if people who have looked at your Instagram and looked into you kind of before we hopped on this and before they're listening, like you see the, in front of the camera, Sasha Adler design, but I think it's important to know that you are a human underneath and that you are an entrepreneur, just like everyone else. And with that comes these like learnings and figuring things out and nothing's perfect. And I, you know, I, and I, I love that you're being so open and honest about that because it, it just speaks to you as an entrepreneur and how effective your changes can be on your final product. So I want to ask you, so right before the pandemic, I was in Austin and I saw the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Oh, you did? Did you go there? Good pop up that you did. Yes. I think I, I mean, I probably tagged you at some point, but um, I saw the goop pop up that you did. And I was so proud of you because that was a huge project. And that was kind of right when you started, right? It was very early. I don't even think my business had been open a year, maybe six months. Um, And we were connected with Gwyneth and this opportunity sort of fell in our lap to do this Austin project. I'd never been to Austin before. So great. The turnaround time was very 
quick. I believe it was 15. I can't I get, we did two projects for them. So we did one in Chicago and one in Austin. I think it was 30 days and we flew down to see the space and it was a very raw space that wasn't reflective of how we wanted this space to look. <laughs> and we just had to figure out how to transform it and put together a team of people that we, having never worked with them, had to rely upon to create this end product. And it was a lot of asking for favors. And it, it's very helpful. My name is nothing but to, you know, be able to say, oh, it's going to be on Cooper. You know, Gwyneth Paltrow is going to use it. So that was very helpful. I would, um, <laughs> And we were able to put together this store kind of very quickly. And, and it was, was beautiful. Fun. And we were stunning. So the reason I bring that up is I, I wanted to ask like, what has been your most exciting project and what are some other things that you've worked on that have been, that you can say that have been, you know, just really awesome experiences. And I know you travel so much and it's, it's so amazing to follow you on Instagram and to see where, where this business has taken you, like not just where your business has gone, but physically where it takes you because you have amazing adventures and you see amazing things and you can see your inspiration being pulled from all of these places that you're going to visit. So talk to us a little bit about some of those awesome projects. Um, Sure. So one of, so always we have custom designed furniture and products for clients through manufacturers and artisans and vendors that we know across the world. One of my dreams of starting my own business was being able to create products that I could then sell or share. And so the opportunity to collaborate with CB2 came up and CB2 is one of my favorite resources for lots of reasons. I think they have amazingly designed pieces at a phenomenal price point. So, you know, we have clients who everybody has a budget, but have higher budgets. And I'm still so excited to show them the table that $600 or $800 or $1,000 or whatever it is. And I, I like, I love that. So I'm like, this table, it looks like it's $10,000 and it's $1,000 and it's from CV2. And this chair's already upholstered in velvet and it's perfect. And it, we couldn't even make that. So we, we use CV2 all the time in our designs and having the opportunity to design for them was like this far away dream of mine. And so the fact that we're working with them and designing for them is so exciting. Um, so that's been one. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. You were gushing over my wallpaper earlier in, in CB2. Really? From, oh. I mean, it was from like five years ago, but yeah. I love it. Thanks. <laughs> um, so that's been fun. We are also, we currently have a private label line of products that are right now only available to our client base. Um, but we're talking about how that could become available to a wider market and what that would look like. Um, but just the fact that we have these pieces, like one of these, so one of the things that I wanted to design was a towel bar. I felt like towel bars were just like, you know, you, they all just looked kind of basic. And my husband and I were traveling in Italy, um, and we were in Positano and I got up to go to the bathroom and like didn't come back. And we were with another couple and like didn't come back to the table for like 30 minutes. And I'm sure they were like, where did she go? Has she been abducted? Like, what's she doing? And I had found this stair railing that was like a rope that ended in a knot and like a tassel. And I 
was like enamored with it. And I took pictures of it from every angle and I was like studying it. And I kept thinking to myself, like, that would be such a cool stair railing replicated or what if it was a towel bar? And so I was like taking thousands of pictures of it. And I went off on like my own little, you know, creative tizzy or whatever. And so by the time I came back to the table, they were like, are you okay? Did you get sick? Like what happened? Um, But I've been working for the last two years to create a towel bar that had that feel. And I was working with this foundry in London um, who thought I was like crazy because I was like, no, I want the end of the tassel to be like loose strings, not like tight, you know, it looked like stiff at the bottom. And so we went back and forth on all these models and now the towel bar exists. So like, it's so exciting to me that like something that I saw and kind of made up that now can actually be made. Well, but I also think, I mean, obviously products, are a natural extension to what you do. I mean, you use products in what you in your service every single yeah. day. So the fact that you've been able to turn this on as quickly as you have is remarkable. I mean, it's it's awesome. So, and I, I would imagine that that's just going to continue. It's been fun. I think, yeah, we're trying to figure out what that next step looks like. You know, is it going to be private label? Do we work with the company? You know, I don't know. Right now it's just been fun to actually see the product come to life because it's one of those things that that's like manufacturing products is not your background. So let's go back to what, you know, what we were talking about before, like how, how is it that you figure that out? Right. What do you like? What do you do? Exactly. Yeah. You're asking people. So I want to kind of switch gears and I want to for a minute um, because you have three beautiful children and I know family is so important to you. And, you know, you have this, this company, this, 19 person company. Um, you have a pretty big job. You're doing major project projects. You're flying all over the world. How are you managing this with your kids? I'm trying every day to figure out how to be present in what I'm doing. Um, I recently, we recently brought someone on the team who's taken over my calendar management. And I know that sounds like outrageous, but it's been just challenging figuring out how I have time to meet with everyone on my team and make sure I'm addressing all the client needs and still blocking out. Like I take my son to soccer on Monday and Wednesdays. I take my daughter to ice skating on Tuesday. And I, I make sure that I take my kids to school every day. I pack their lunch. I have that time with them. And then every, I want to carve out time or I do my best unless I'm traveling to have after school time with each of them individually. Um, and then I do bedtime every night. So my calendar is blocked during those times and everybody knows that I, you know, I'm not available for occasionally, you know, I make an exception, but I really tried to dedicate myself and be present in what I'm doing and then switch gears. And, you know, when I'm reading books to my kids at night, it's so tempting. I'm like, did they write back? Did I get the draft of that presentation? But I'm like, you know, I put my phone somewhere else and then I put them to bed and then I go back to check in on work stuff. I try. And, but that's, I, I love that you said that and that you said, I try because it's hard. Mm-hmm. It is, I mean, I speak from experience. It's hard, especially when you feel like people are relying on you and they want answers from you. But I want to go back to what you said earlier, because this is the case for me. It's the case for you. It's the case for a lot of people. And that it's like, we're not saving the world. And right. those two minutes with your kids means so much to them and waiting two extra minutes to respond to a client, a teammate, a colleague, whatever it, it can, it can wait those two minutes. Right. Yes. Like, 
at the end of the day, my kids and my husband are the most important people in the entire world. And I want them to feel that way. And, you know, my kids are sometimes like, why do you have to work? Everyone else's mom picks them up every day or why, you know, my mom worked growing up, my mom and dad worked growing up. And I think that that served me well at the time. I hated it. And now looking back, I think that served me well in a lot of ways. And I want them to see that example that you can dedicate yourself to something that you love and still be very present in what you're doing. But you, you know, you can do your best yeah. to it all work. And I mean, I often wonder and worry like, oh, you know, are my kids gonna, like, is this gonna impact my kids? But like in therapy talking about the fact that. <laughs> yes, but I will tell you, you'll appreciate this today, actually. And I, I, po- I shared about this on Instagram today. Today, before we left this morning, I saw this like piece of paper on my counter and it said, um, Lila's bucket list for when I grow up. And that was my daughter. And so I, and I turned it over and number one, number one was own my own business. Oh, I love that. And like, I mean, number two was make a lot of money, but, uh, (laughs) you know, and then I asked her about it and she was like, oh, I'm not done yet. I'm not done with that. And I said, was it for school? And she said, no, it was for me. I wanted to make a list, but it was like a drawing. It was like a whole to do, but like, you know, and I, so I share that because I think we often are hard on ourselves but I think that I know that what we are doing is serving our kids well for the future, right? Like, I mean, and you're, I, I mean, so. yes, <laughs> without a doubt, without a doubt. And your kids, your kids are seeing something that a lot of kids don't get the chance to see. And it's setting an example for them. For what we were have. actually driving to school today. We were talking about, I don't know. Oh, my daughter's in the ice skating show in two weeks and she's four and a half and she's an astronaut in the show. And so we're talking about that. And she said, you know what? When I grow up, I want to be an astronaut and go to outer space. She's like, could you wait and not go to outer space without me? We should go together for the first time. And I was like, what? I don't think I'll ever go to outer space. <laughs> and I was like, of course, I'll wait for you. And then we all started talking about what they wanted to be. And my son's like, I want to be a professional football player. And I was like, great. And then my daughter, I was like, what do you want to be? And she's like, I don't know. I have to think about it. She's like, maybe an interior designer. Of course, she's 11 and a half and like the oldest and probably the most practical. But I was like, the other two, I was like, you're probably not going to be either of those things. And I want to be the supportive mom who's like, you can be anything. anything. So I was like, great. <laughs> but I was like, oh, I don't know about those two. So Hi. We'll see. Um, so before we wrap up, because I want to be mindful of your time, I know how busy you are. I, You've given such great tips and advice and you know, I think anyone who's listening to this can see that there is a real person behind Sasha Adler Design, and that is that is what I want people to see from this. And you know, you can you gather that from social media, but I think it's also different when you're having an hour long conversation with someone, and you realize that not everything is perfect, and everyone has challenges in this world of business. And it's so important to note that because we all compare ourselves to each other, right? Like it's, it's so easy to do. How has it been? to be your brand. You are the brand it, it, and the brand is you. And it, you know, you're no longer an employee working for Nate Berkus. Like your brand is Sasha Adler. You are the brand, you are the face. And it comes with a lot of different responsibilities and pressure than just being the interior designer that's working for someone else. I don't think like that. I'm not there yet. <laughs> I, I'm not great at Instagram. I'm not great. I'm very 
private. Like, so I'm not great at saying like, you know, I'm wearing this or I'm doing this or, you know, and so I have someone who helps me with my Instagram and encourages me to put myself out there more or share something that we're doing. And a lot of our clients are really private. So I'm protective of what we're doing for them also. Um, So that's been challenging to like put my brand out there and really, you know, figure out what that means for me in terms of protecting my personal life and um, my my client's privacy. Because, and, and it's a, but it's a departure from what what was before, right? Because yeah. your name is on everything, right? And it was different when I was working for someone who had a very big brand and presence. And so I'm still trying to navigate that and figure out how to get more comfortable with it. You know, like I was in New York two weekends ago. And everyone's like, oh, let's do a New York story and share what you're seeing and what you're doing. I'm like, oh, I'm here with a girlfriend. Like we're having like a really fun private time. And it's hard for me to like, you know, shift gears and think about it in terms of which I need to learn more how to do. And I'm trying. But I think that that's a great, honest answer, Sasha, because like that's almost a challenge becoming your own business owner, right? Like you are, that's, that's probably something you never even thought you were going to have to deal with. Right. Yes. I mean, I wanted to decorate people's houses, but people are like, how many Instagram followers do you have? Do you, how often, how frequently do you post? And I was like, my Instagram could use help because that's not my first priority. It's not, you know, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't. And it's not only about Instagram. I mean, your brand isn't Instagram. Your brand is what you stand for as a person, you know, and, and it's not just sharing that through social media, but it's sharing that through everything that you do. And, you know, it goes back to what I was saying in the beginning, like when I think of you, I think of someone who is kind and curious and worldly and like, that's your brand. Right. And so I, I, those things come across on your Instagram, but it's not only on your Instagram that people get a sense of who you are. So thank you, of course, but I want to kind of wrap up the same way I wrap up with everyone. And that is by asking you like three concrete actionable tips that you would give a founder, someone who's just started a business, someone who aspires to start a business that you feel have taken you from, you know, being an employee to owning your own firm that is now exploding. So I touched on some of these earlier, but I think my three tips would be take advice from everyone and anyone. Only do what feels to would be only do what feels right to you. Like gather all the information you can and then Trust your gut to do what you think is right for your company. And then three, I think it's like the golden rule, like treat other people how you want to be treated. Like I'm always thinking like if I were my client, how would I want this to be resolved? Or if I was my, or if I was in a, my employee, how would I want this inter- interaction to be resolved or, you know, treated or what have you. And so I always try to think about that. Like if I, I was in someone else's shoes how I would want it to go. So Sasha Adler, it's so great to have you here. Thank you so much for your time. I know how busy you are and your business is exploding. We are going to include all of the where to find you in the show notes so people can find you and follow you on your Instagram. (laughs) Thank you. But thank you so much for being here and for your time. I so appreciate it. And I cannot wait to share this episode. Thank you for having me. How amazing is Sasha and her story? As always, there were some incredible takeaways in today's episode, so you're going to want to get out your pen and paper. Number one, 
When you're making a change or leaving a job behind, don't burn any bridges. Take care in your relationships and handle those people with care who have been along for the ride thus far. Number two, hiring and managing people has been harder than Sasha thought. You will care more than your employees because it's yours. Your employees are invested, but it certainly is a different dynamic. Number three, if it's not working out with an employee, make a change and move on. When you hire someone who isn't a fit with the rest of the company, everyone feels it. Number four, encourage your team to rely on each other. Number five, figure out how you can meet with your team, manage your team, and manage your life. Put strategies into place to help you do that. Block your calendar when you're with your family and stick to it. Number six, be present in the role you're in when you're in it. Number seven, at the end of the day, your family is the most are the most important people in the world and you want them to feel that way. Number eight, take advice from anyone and everyone. Number nine, only do what feels right for you. Trust your gut with everything when it comes to your business. And number 10, the golden rule and my favorite, treat other people how you want to be treated. Thank you so much, Sasha, for joining me today on Dear Founder. And thank you so much for everyone who's listened to today's episode. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure that you take out your phone, click that five-star rating and leave a review so that others can find the podcast. Recently, we had an amazing five-star review that said, love the authentic and organic conversations that are found on this podcast. I feel like I'm listening to two old friends who are incredibly savvy and successful share their stories. Each guest brings a unique perspective I have enjoyed. I cannot thank you, Leslie, for sharing that review on the podcast app. So if you like what you're hearing, please be like Leslie and please make sure to head on over and not only leave a review and a rating, but subscribe to Dear Founder wherever it is that you lead, that you listen to podcasts. We have some incredible guests coming up. If you know someone who wants to start their own business like Sasha or who has started a business or who has an amazing idea, please text them this episode. Let them know that they'd love to listen to it or share it in your stories and tag me. Tag Sasha too. I'll share it to say thank you. Stay tuned for another episode of Dear Found Her coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.